For those of you that have already heard the sermon, the podcast starts at about 16 minutes. You can stay. If you stay, we're liable. We're liable to keep picking. So. Salt's <laughs> ready. That'll be the first time the cops ever show up to a church service. Right? <laughs> you guys keep it down. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. My name is Tiffany Keith. I'm the preaching pastor of Heartstrings, Bluegrass, Worship, and Wild Hearts. Welcome to Give God an Inch, where we open ourselves up to God's nudging. I will read one of my sermons, read, not preach, totally different things. What I write and what comes out on Sunday mornings are not the same. After I read the sermon, we are going to take a little bit of time to reflect on it what I said, why, and maybe what hit the cutting room floor. God, you are our strength and our shield. Our hearts trust in you. In you we have found our courage. Our wild hearts dance for joy. And in our songs... We will praise you. Psalm 28, verse 7. In you, we have found our courage. Let us pray. O God, open us up. Open our hands that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. God, open our hearts that we might feel. And then, O God, open our hands that we might serve. Amen. There's a trend on TikTok right now. It's pretty fun. It's the tell me without telling me challenge. One person starts out with a request, another responds. So one person will request, tell me you're a boy mom without telling me you're a boy mom. In one response, the video starts looking at a woman's face and she moves her phone so that it is filming behind her. And you see that the entire time she has had a boy child repeatedly punching her in the behind. Another request, tell me you are from the Midwest without telling me you're from the Midwest. In one response, a woman records a wide variety of flannels and wonders which should I wear today? Tell me you are the youngest child without telling me that you are the youngest child. Cut to the first and only picture in a photo album. What if I were to give you homework, pose a question to you? Tell me your political party without telling me your political party. You could tell me the news station you turned to this week. You could tell me the zip code where you live. If you wanted to be really clever, you could talk about your parenting style. You could talk about the boy repeatedly punching his mama's behind, how you felt about that, how you would respond to it. It would indicate how you voted three months ago. Please, please don't miss the significance of that. In our country right now, we have created two buckets and required everyone to belong to one or the other, 
either you are conservative or you are liberal. That used to mean how you voted. Through the last hundred years, we have defined the buckets by political issues and by lifestyle choices, even the neighborhood or zip code in which you live. In less than a five-minute conversation, I can tell you which bucket you belong to without ever asking you which bucket you belong to. It has been a really long, slow division, not over the last few years, but over the last few generations. The sermon does not include a lot of clear answers. I don't solve any of the world's problems. Instead, as I wrestle through it, I found myself asking questions. I felt God's invitation into question after question. One of the questions is this. Do you think it takes courage to refuse to fit your whole self into one of those two buckets? How? Why? When I first ran across Psalm 28 verse 7, the one thing it was missing was courage. It was a strong statement of faith that God is our strength and our shield. When we stand in the midst of the storms, because of God is our strength and our shield, we will find ourselves in the midst of storms. This verse has heart. Our hearts trust in you. Heart and soul, the light that God has created in you and you and you. There is a light in us. We strive to trust God with our light and our struggles, our doubts, our division. For me, for who I am as a leader, for the vision and mission I wanted to lay out for us, I needed to include courage. So, for our liturgy, which is our invocation and benediction, for the vision of who we are, I changed God rescued us. To In you, we find our courage. Courage. I can tell you when I see it. I see courage in others, and I am in awe of them. Here's another question for us to ponder. Can you think of a time, a situation in your life, or in the courage of another, that it didn't include risk? I remember when my brother signed up for the Navy, the courage it took him. He was giving up one entire life to take a different path. He had so many moments when he didn't know where he would be stationed. He ended up stationed at an Air Force base in the middle of Oklahoma. He never could have predicted that. Have you ever seen courage that did not include uncertainty? Think of the moments in your life when you were uncertain of the outcome, when you could not control what was next. When applying for college, I helped my son fill out FAFSA for college this week. I am telling you, there's a certain level of uncertainty when trying to decide which button to push, what number to fill in. Uncertainty comes with marriage proposals and pregnancy and job applications and doing the right thing when you don't know how it will go. Have you ever seen courage that did not include emotional exposure? I want to take a minute to talk about Joy. She is the amazing bass player that you all love to watch week after week. A few months ago, she received an email from a guy who received an email from a guy asking if she would be willing to help some random church find someone to lead bluegrass every single Sunday for worship. And she was glad to help. 
But the more she looked, the more she felt a nudging, a calling to be the one. She hasn't told me this, but I know I've had those moments when I'm like, God, do not be silly. That is a crazy idea. You have lost your mind if you ever had one. God has a way of being right and persistent. Can you feel that moment of being called to something you know you cannot do? But it feels so right. It is so clear. That's the thing. Even if you don't know how yet, even if you have no idea how it will turn out, how you will make it work, it feels so daunting and big. Emotional exposure feels like an understatement. Do you know what risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure is called? Vulnerability. Question for you to wrestle with. Have you ever, even once, seen any act of courage that did not include vulnerability? Naming courage. Defining courage. Looking to the life of Christ for moments of courage. Finding our courage and God's love and grace. Practicing courage. Courage will define us as a community. That courage will look different at different times. Right now, it looks like showing up in a parking lot to be in community with people showing up online and finding any way we can connect to one another. And our call to courage will be doing our part to bring healing to our world. In the book, The Big Sort, Bill Bishop takes a very deep, intensive look at the division in our country. He defines the conservatives bucket and progressive bucket in detail using study after study. And he looks at the roots of this place we find ourselves in right now. You know this division doesn't go back a few years, right? We can find its roots generations ago. We can find some of the roots of today's division back in the last turn of the last century, the late 1800s, early 1900s. There was economic panic. Can you imagine? There was an influx of immigrants. Slavery was coming to an end, but racism was not. We were spreading west, killing entire peoples. The church had come to grips with the world being round instead of flat centuries before. But now science was demanding the church wrestle with the authority of scripture in a whole new way. As science forced the church to wrestle with its stories of creation. As I invite you back to this time and place of well over 100 years ago, you can begin to see, maybe feel in your heartbeat the results of that time. The place of unrest led to a division in the church, not between denominations, this denomination and that, but how people viewed the world. The big sort says it this way. On one side was what would Martin Marty has called private Protestantism. Private Protestants promoted individual salvation and promised that personal morality would be rewarded in the next life. On the other side of that great divide was public Protestantism. On the other side of that great divide was public Protestantism. 
a conviction that the way to God required transformation of society. That latter laid the foundation for democratic liberalism. The former provided the moral footing and rationale for Republican conservatism. The book goes on to say, Josiah Strong, a turn-of-the-century Congregationalist minister, described two types of Christianity alive in the country. The division was not to be distinguished by any of the old lines of doctrinal or denominational cleavage. Strong wrote in 1913, Their difference is one of spirit, aim, point of view, comprehensiveness. The one is individualist, the other is social. The one staged revivals, the other sought to reform the world. Here is what I hope you hear. Those that came well before us, our great, great, great grandparents, planted seeds that are now bearing their fruit. We did not create the world we are in, but it is our responsibility to be courageous vulnerable enough to examine the world we find ourselves in and simply ask, is this is as beautiful as true as it gets? Maybe that's another question for us to ponder this week. Is this as beautiful, as true as it gets? Does it take courage to even ask that question right now? We are a United Methodist community. I am a United Methodist pastor. So one of the things we do is look towards the United Methodist Church, its deep traditions and willingness to wrestle with hard issues together. As a church, we decided about a century ago, when the division in the church was planting seeds of division in the world, we decided that we wouldn't kick people or churches out when they simply disagreed, unless and until it is absolutely necessary. Instead, we've held tightly to the idea that together we are strong, not despite our differences, because, but because of them. When we look to the church for help in examining these two buckets, the world is forcing us to define ourselves by. We find a deep call to courage to live in a way that is deeply meaningful, hard, and brave. If you look in our guiding document, the Book of Discipline, this line, we proclaim no personal gospel that fails to express itself in relevant social concerns. We proclaim no social glass gospel that does not include the personal transformation of sinners. Amanda Gorman became only one of six people to read an inauguration poem this week. Talk about courage. Her name will be forever listed with the names Richard Blanco, Elizabeth Alexander, Miller Williams, Maya Angelou, and Robert Frost. Talk about courage. I wonder if her closing words have something to say to us about the courage that we can embody as a community. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. And every no nook of our nation, and every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge, battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. 
for there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. But the introduction was perfect. And it was it was not just perfect because it fits your sermon. It, it, it was one of those introductions that when I heard it, I thought to myself, why didn't I think of that? It was just, and, and it's, it's the kind of thing that fits your sermon perfectly, but it could fit a dozen sermons perfectly. Hi, I'm Ken Ingram, and I'm one of the pastors of First United Methodist Church and have the privilege of getting to work with Tiffany at the Heartstrings Worship Service. And hi, I'm Tiffany. I mean, the, the whole idea of tell me your whatever without telling me your whatever is just a, a, brilliant, a brilliant idea for a sermon. I mean, you could you could do a whole sermon on on that. I, I, I just I was struck by just how clever that introduction was. Tell me you're a disciple without telling me you're a disciple. Oh. Tell me you're a follower of Christ without telling me you're a follower. Tell me you're a, a Christian. I mean, or however you want to do it. You know, oh. There's just a bazillion things you could do with that image. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's good. I wish I had thought of that. In fact, if, if you're looking for your next series, tell me, oh. tell me you're a. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, that might, it's funny because that would almost work for the Lent series, right? So for the exactly. Lent series, I'm talking about practices. Like exactly. we're, we'll talk about worshiping. We'll talk about praying. We'll talk about giving. We'll, you know, these kinds of, they, I mean, that would work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah that, that was a big, it was just like one of those, one of those, I wish I had thought of that myself because it's just, there's just so many ways you can go with that. And you're exactly right for your Lenten series. Tell, you know, tell me, tell me you pray without telling me you pray. You know, whatever. I mean, I mean the series could be tell me you're a Christian mm-hmm. without telling me you're a Christian. And yeah. then, you know, week one, well, we worship. Yeah. Week two, well, we pray. Yeah. Week three. Yeah. So the so instead of each week being a new question. Each week yeah. being a new video response <laughs> into the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I thought that was brilliant. I, I think, I think the bucket image, of course, is, is a very powerful bucket uh, image. It, it, it talks about the silos that we find ourselves in, increasingly find ourselves in, and I, I just, you know, I mean, it was, it's one of those timely. Um, painfully obvious realities that we find ourselves in and 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 to name it i mean the, the way you introduced it allowed us to admit that it's more than just an idea that we have or it's more than just a way that we vote i mean we we have we have divided ourselves up by the media we use by the music we listen to by the television shows we watch by the i mean everything you know i mean do you eat a Chick-fil-A? Do you not eat a Chick-fil-A? I mean, I mean, right? I mean, they're just there's just all of these ways that we put ourselves in these in these buckets. Do we go to Disneyland because they support gay marriage or do we not? I mean, it's just it's crazy. You know, those buckets are getting deeper, right? I mean, it's harder to see at the top of the bucket. And I thought that was a very helpful 
helpful way to talk about it. It's, it's not just we disagree. It's we have chosen to um, shape ourselves by our bucket. Yeah, live our lives apart from one another by the bucket. So yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear more about how, how you know what you thought about how you came to that and how you thought about those sort of images. But I, I thought that was brilliant too. I mean, I, I'm on TikTok enough <laughs> that, you know, I mean, it being a TikTok trend and I'm like, you know, um, it, it just made so much sense. It, if you think about all the things we do, I mean, this is what we're, you and I are, are talking about is coffee shops. Do you go to a coffee shop and hang out all day? Because if you go to a coffee shop and work, it's, uh, it, and which coffee shop do you go to? You, you know, there's these different things you do. Oh, so I was doing demographics when I was first starting The Edge. And one of the really odd lines is north of Boulder mm -hmm. and Nevada is CC demographics. So it's younger, it's more progressive, you have wild goose coffee shop, <laughs> you know, you, you have very hipster kind of hanging out south of Boulder. Mm -hmm. It's a different demographic. Yeah. You have ponies. Yeah. It, you know, right. you, you have, you go into those restaurants um, and you have, you know, businessmen going for lunch there. And um, that's changed a little bit because you know, the, the Boulder line has kind of seats down as Odyssey opened up, <laughs> you know, as these kind of more hipster restaurants have opened up a little bit south of Boulder. Um, but even, even where you eat lunch says something about who you vote for. Yeah. But which side of the, you know, Boulder... <laughs> Boulder line, you hang out. It, yeah. And it, and it isn't, you know, which church you go to. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that line isn't, you know, how you worship God for any of us. It, our lives are more defined by who mm -hmm. we voted for than who we worship. Yeah. And for those who don't know, the church sits on Boulder, right? I mean, it's yeah. whatever that metaphor means. I remember the day you told me that. I mean, you literally, we were going downtown to eat and we stopped on the corner of Boulder and Tejon and you pointed that out. It, it, it was exactly right. You know, it, you saw either either business folks or, or blue collar folks going into Tony's. You saw young college students. Uh, going into the goose, and and you were right; it was, it was dead on. And, and and maybe you know, may, maybe maybe we're kind of the metaphor, right? Because I don't think we hated the goose; I think we hated Tony's. I, mean, I think <laughs> Did we crossed the Boulder line. <laughs> with probably with the people that didn't vote the way we voted, I suspect. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, so me in my life, I'm I am very very intentional about about surrounding myself with people on both sides of that line. Um, because I think for me, it's really important to, 
the question I ask in the sermon, it, it was my favorite question, is does it take courage to reject to, to, to reject the idea that your whole self can fit in one bucket or another? Yeah. And for me, I know I do not fit fully in either bucket. And it takes so much courage to refuse to fit in to a bucket. I, I, I don't mind belonging, you know, into a bucket here and there. And, you know, here's kind of where I am on, on this conversation or that conversation. But I don't want to conform myself to fit into one. And, and one of the ways I refuse that is in part, like, by being around people that don't fit into the bucket. And I think that's true from, for most people. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure when you, when you align with the group to agree with everything up and down the line, you know, to, to simply parrot whatever, whatever they say. And you're right, I think, I think if you really, I mean, I know I don't, if you push people, um, you know, the, the, they, they are purple, right? I mean, they do, they do see things in different ways and yet, and yet the pressure to just lockstep agree with everybody that's progressive or everybody that's conservative, whatever is, is tremendous. So that, so that was the point where you started talking about courage and vulnerability. Um, talk to me more a little bit about the relationship between courage and vulnerability. I thought that was beautiful too. I mean, you know, I, the whole sermon was basically taken from Brene Brown um, and basically from her book, Braving the Wilderness. And uh, next week's in some ways will be too. But it, the question that she, that Brene Brown has posed to thousands of people over the last two decades or so, I, or something like that, um, is have you ever, even once, like, go home and think about it, like, really let yourself play with the question is, have you ever, ever seen a moment of, of courage that did not include vulnerability? Now, she defines vulnerability in, with the words risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure. So if you start with the idea that is what vulnerability is. Have you ever seen, another way she's put it, um, a quote that I pulled up this week was, if you're comfortable, you're not being courageous. Mm. Mm. If you are doing something that doesn't cause you a, a little sense of uncertainty, that's not courage. And we all kind of intuitively feel that, right? You don't watch somebody stand up singing a solo for their first time, <laughs> like, and, and go, wow, you know, that didn't, that, that took courage, but not vulnerability. Well, yeah. no, that's not true. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, it, and it matters, I mean, the stuff that hit the cutting room floor this week, there was so much, right? Um, like brave leaders aren't comfortable leaders. I, I mean, that kind of this leadership into saying, I mean, think about leaders that do everything they can to make people happy. That's not courageous. Mm 
you know, leaders that are making really hard choices. Like for you, when you helped get the bishop elected, for those that don't know, we have a, um, a lesbian bishop and in our conference and Kent help, you helped get her elected. Um, that didn't lack vulnerability. Yeah. But it sure as hell, heck, sorry, it took some courage. I might have to mark this one as appropriate language, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I mean, just it, it caused me to reflect on my own life. And, and, and I've, you know, just, we don't need to hear my whole life. <laughs> but, but my ministry has been going to large downtown center, city center churches uh, that have experienced either some kind of turmoil or, or some kind of just lying fallow, you know, nothing really happening. And, and I've always pictured myself as being more of a smoother outer than a, than a stirrer upper. Um, one of the things I've discovered that, that this is my longest ministry. I'm 14 years here. Eighth is the longest I've been anywhere. I'll be here another six or seven or eight or whatever, most likely. Um, you can't smooth things out for 20 years. It's at some point, at some point, you have you have to stir things up, right? You have you have to, you know, once once you get some foundations in place, once you get some trust earned, once you get some 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 people sharing a page and a vision with you, you know, you've got to you've got to stir things up, and that that that's a hardship for somebody like me who's who's been in these large diverse places trying to keep everybody together. I, I had a I had a friend once describe. You know, we have what twenty five hundred members here. He says being a pastor of a church like this is like being the mayor of a town with twenty five hundred people, and you've got one of everything, right? You, you got the town drunk and the town gossip, and the, whatever. I mean, you know, you, you one of everything or or more, and you've got to be able to hold them all together. So, so that that's the you know that was the word that I took in there was that 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 you know is is as much as the impulse I have is to try to smooth things out. I've never been reactionary. I've never been, okay, this is what you want, this is what you want, I'll do it, I'll do it. But but it encouraged me to be more courageous, to be more vulnerable and brave. Um, oh. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in the buckets, right? I, and and kind of not back to the buckets yet, but that's my statement around, we're worshiping in a parking lot. Like, that was you. That was, um, um, like, courage doesn't have to be all defined by the buckets. But that was really was a moment of let's worship in a parking lot. Yeah. Um, you know, that was courageous. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I may, partly it's coming of age and partly it's surrounding myself with people who, who are encouraging me to do this. But, but I find myself increasingly um, willing to do what I think is, is right in the long term and best for the kingdom rather than trying to make people happy. You know, you just can't, you can't make them all happy and, and it requires you to be vulnerable. But, and, and for you, smoothing things out did take courage too. I mean, if you go into a church that's had issues, that's had not the best leadership in the past or stuff going on, like telling people that you aren't gonna, standing strong. So this is part of courage, right? Standing strong against what other people are re, are are explain, are trying to get you to do to fit in. 
you know, when you came, I'm sure here and most of your, your settings, when you got there, because it happens, any new people in new places, like people are trying to force them to, to fit in and to like, how is this person going to fit? We're going to try to get them like in our way. And, and it takes courage to say, no, I'm not going to fit in and, and join the conflict that you would like me to. I'm not going to fit in and just do what you want me to do because you want to decide how worship looks. I like, I'm not going to fit in and do it the way you've always done it because, because here's who I am as a leader. I think that even the smoothing out takes courage. Yeah, thank you. And I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I was never going to be co-opted. I mean, I was wise enough when I went in to know that everybody has an agenda, everybody has an issue, and I have a vision for where I want to go, a macro vision, and you know, I can help the congregation put together the micro vision, but you are right. I did, I did not, I made it clear that if you send me an anonymous letter, I'm going to throw it in the mail and not read it. I, I, I don't give you credibility on that. And that, if, you know, if you want to come and complain to me about things that don't matter, I'm going to name that. I'm going to say, hey, you know, this is not a, this is not something that we need to spend our energy worrying about. What color the carpet is, or what kind of flowers are in the base out front, or whatever it might be. So you're right. I guess I guess there was some sense that my smoothing out was not allowing that kind of conflict to just fester and happen all the time by reacting to it and responding to it. So that's a good word. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it means stirring up a little trouble. Yeah, it does. You know, <laughs> I mean, a joke about the left foot of Christian fellowship. You know, there have been many times in my ministry when I've said to people, you know, you're not happy here and you're making it miserable for everybody else here. Let's find a place for you to be. And, yeah. And, you know. and, and that is, I mean, that's where I find myself in developing this community is who is it that I need to welcome to not join us, that I, that I need to give permission to say, you know, I, I understand that, that where we are is not where you are, because there are a lot of people that are finding comfort and hope and, and need in their bucket. You know, whether that be, it's normally right now defined by a political bucket, but whatever it may be, maybe to say, I, I am, you know, Tiffany as a leader is rejecting the idea that we need to fit in to show up with everything that I am. Um, and instead, I'm asking people to show up with courage, yeah. and vulnerability. That isn't for everyone, and it isn't for everyone right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to have people showing up with the objective of scooping people into their bucket, right? (laughs) Those are the ones that, that, you know, I don't care where they are politically, theologically, none of those things matter. I don't think you do either. I think what matters is whether or not you can come and listen, whether or not you can come and hear what others have to say and and try to empathize and be connected with that. That, That's all we're asking. And that's really, really hard. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, it is much, much easier to proclaim my truth from the pulpit and say, you know, here's what you have to believe in order to show up. 
And if you don't already believe it, you are welcome to leave. Yeah. Um, and, and in that case, I don't think that's brave. I don't think it's courageous. And I think it creates an echo chamber. You're right. I, I remember, you know, the years ago when I was in Tulsa, uh, and, and you know that Oral Roberts is a member of our congregation there. And, and um, Oral Roberts University was a big deal. It hired a lot of people. And, and Oral said things that were flat out crazy and unchristian. You know, and, and just really not, not good. And we would name it. We would talk about that. But I remember, I think it was the largest Unitarian church in the country at the time was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that pastor used to just really blister us. He says, you're not being brave. You're not being courageous. If you don't attack and, you know, put Oral Roberts down. And the irony of that was, was is that that's exactly where his congregation was. It took zero courage. For, for the Unitarian pastor to attack somebody that everybody in his congregation thought was a nut, you know, and, and to say that, that, you know, you're not brave because you're not attacking him. Well, you're not brave because, because you're, you're doing exactly what all your people want you to do, you know? So, so it, it, there's a difference between sounding courageous and being courageous, you know, mm. context shapes that a lot. So. Uh, yeah, it does. It, oh man. And I'm inviting the people. I mean, am I creating my own echo chamber, right? Of, of people that are willing to be courageous and listen. And, and, and where are my lines, right? I, I know my lines. Um, I know for me that there, I wanna create a place of emotional safety where we're not, we're not dehumanizing one another, that we can disagree and acknowledge one another's humanity at the same time. I wanna create a place that of course is physically safe. Like I don't wanna feel unsafe at church and I hope other people don't either. Um, at the same time, where is it that I need to say this thing or that issue is a truth. Like if we're gonna disagree, part of where this takes us, um, besides, <laughs> this is funny, tell me, you're a, tell me you're a Christian without telling me you're a Christian. Well, are, <laughs> are you fighting over whether you worship in a parking lot or not? Sure. Or inside or not? Um, I could surround myself with anything goes too, mm -hmm. right? But where are the places where I need to say, you know, a thing that we generally believe is, is true is that we worship in a parking lot um, as a way to protect people from a virus mm -hmm. and and then i mean this is just a easy conversation right the, the, this conversation could happen around racism or immigration or economy or guns but if we're talking about the parking lot and i'm saying we're going to worship in a parking lot instead of inside do the people who who say you know that they want to worship inside do they does their voice count and how, 
because I still have to make leadership decisions sure. around the direction I'm pulling us. Sure. Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it, there's one thing to be open to, to varieties of views, positions, and politics and ideologies. And, and, and that perhaps even more courageous than that is being able to point out the, the brokenness of both sides. Of, 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 not, of, not, of not just, yeah, you all are welcome, but, but those of you who are progressive, you know, here are some of your blind spots. And those of you who are conservative, here are some of your blind spots. I mean, to name those, I mean, that, and, and to do it, you almost have to do both at the t same time. You know, you're, you're, it's hard. although I remember one of my, my favorite sermons I ever preached, and I actually preached it at, at a couple different churches. It was pure satire, uh, sarcasm. It was a sermon based on the Pharisee who stands up in the, in the temple and says, thank God I'm not like that sinner. You know, and my sermon title was, thank God I'm not a Pharisee. And, 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 I, and I, you know, I, I put myself in the place of my progressive sisters and brothers who love to put down people for their lack of tolerance or their ignorance, I mean, but, but it comes off just as judgmental and just as angry, you know. And, and so I did this whole sermon out of, you know, sarcasm, you know, that, that, you know thank God I'm not like those people. I'm not, I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not narrow-minded, judgmental, you know, and, and once, once you do that long enough, you realize, oh, in fact, that's exactly what you are, narrow-minded and judgmental. And so, so yeah, it, it takes some courage to, to not only speak words of inclusion, but also speak words of judgment against all buckets too, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I feel like I do an okay job at, at kind of poking at both sides a little bit here and there. Absolutely. Well, which, which leads, I, mean, I, don't, I don't, we don't need to leave this, but, but, but the last part of your sermon, you, you talked about, you laid the blame at the foot of the church or, or a big part of it at the foot of the church for this division in our country. Um, and, and you pointed out the, the, the conflicts that happened in the church that, that, you know, around personal Protestantism or, and, or social Protestantism and, and, you know, what, biblical authority and social gospel and all those different kinds of things that, that one of the earliest places, if not the first place, the split began to be seen in our culture was in the church itself. Um, so we, what's the old pogo? We have seen the enemy and he is us, right? <laughs> it makes me want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I think it in some ways acknowledges the power that the church, I don't know if it still does have, um, but definitely that it did have, mm -hmm. that these seeds 100 years later, 120 years later, <clears throat> 150, you know, mm -hmm. would be dividing a nation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that is a lot of power that the church has. And when I look at it, had when I look at it from that way, I don't blame people leaving the church in droves. No. I, if we are gonna, if we are gonna be the organization and the people that plant seeds of division and um, and anger and hate. I think people need to leave the church. 
Yeah, you're right. And, and you, know, you put yourself back into that into that time 150 years ago, and you think about about the, the, the beginnings of sort of biblical criticism in the best sense of the word, and and trying to hear the scriptures in a different way. Um, I, you, you talk about the the. Uh, the social issues of the time, oh, but back then, you know, it was, it was around child labor laws, and, you know, labor laws and different things like that, you know, alcohol, prohibition, some of those kind of things you know, they were fighting all those years ago. But, and, and then, you know, even farther back, the whole split over slavery, you know, the racial issues, I mean, it just, it was fought in the church. You know, that, that's where we fought it. And, and um, Oh, it's still, still oh, there. what if we had bought it better yeah like, like instead of saying instead of laying out there's a right way and a wrong way that slavery is right or wrong pick a side that you know child labor is right or wrong pick a side that um you know expanding out west is right or wrong pick a side what if we had said something else as the church, what if we had said, this is really, really important. This is important enough for us to sit down at a, at a table, to pray, to listen, to talk, to argue, to be vulnerable, to be courageous, to sit down and really, you know, um, be looking towards God instead of making our side an idol. Yeah. I wonder if that could have done different things. And, and I think actually towards the United Methodist Church. So for the first, I think, 100, 150 years in the United States, we split once a decade. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it, you know, we just, anytime there was a disagreement, we said, man, screw you and split and and at some point in the methodist history in our lineage we decided that we didn't need to split over disagreements instead we needed to live together through them yeah. um and and that's like everything has is paradox right it, it's good and it's bad it, it's good because the united methodist church has done so much good in the world. We have sat, we sit together at tables with people that disagree with us all the time because we don't have this like, here's what you have to believe to show up kind of that we are into practices versus like orthodoxy, right? I think, I don't know, you might want to correct me on that statement if I'm wrong, but. Well, no, I mean, we're a holiness movement. Right, we're more about a life of holiness than we are of doctrinal purity, and have been. From, I mean, we we are the one denomination that ought to be positioned well to hold this stuff together, uh, but but it's found its way into our church as well, and, and you know the split is inevitable. And yeah, you know, but do you think it's been helpful that we've been up a, a in the given the political realities of our of our nation right now, has it been helpful that United Methodists sit at tables with people that disagree with us on a yearly and a quadrennial basis? 
Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I, I think it used to. I think, I think the last couple of times it has been, there's been, we've not listened. You know, we, we've gathered with the intent of winning. Mm. We've stopped listening to each other, and and you know, we we've drawn a line, and, and we're going to choose sides. We're going to go. We're going to take our toys and go home, which which is sad. And and it, but but it may provide a place for a new denomination. I mean, you know, for those of us who are staying in the, in the sort of middle place of this church, you know, we're, we're still tasked with being that sign and that light in the community that holds together these different folks in a world where people choose up sides and, and, and go to their silos to their buckets. So I, you know, I don't think it's going to get any easier. The issues might shift, you know, it might not be around sexuality or whatever, but, but there's always going to be people on the margins. Mm-hmm on the fringes that need to be listened to and then and, and, and will be pushed against too. So I, I don't which, know. Which is kind of back to the sermon again, right? This idea that that I am inviting people that are requiring to me to fit my whole selves into their bucket to not be part of this community. And it's not in a mean way. It's not in a hateful way. It's just, it, it's that, it's that, being okay with inviting people to not come. And as a denomination, that's harder because there's money, there's buildings, there's ministries. Um, but those people that, that feel like we must, as a church, fit our whole selves into their bucket, either side. Like, like we can't, I don't want to fit in with them. Yeah. I, I want this middle ground. I, I want to sit at a table with people I disagree with, even people that I vehemently disagree with. Yeah. And part of that's because I can look back through my life and that person I vehemently disagree with was me. Yeah. I, yeah. Like me and my 20 year old self, man, we would get at it. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure. And, and that was the challenge I heard at the end of the sermon was, can we be the place where healing starts? Can we, can, can the church be the place where we have these hard conversations, where we're courageous, where we're willing to be vulnerable, uh, we're willing to at least dip, dip a toe out of our bucket long enough to, to, Hear somebody else, you know, and I think it, it, it's interesting because the sermon, it did not end with a, a therefore be like this, you know, agree with this, you know, join this bucket. It was really more of a, of a challenge to just be courageous and, and to um, vo- be vulnerable, to listen, to open yourself up. And that's a, you know, that's a hard place to be sometimes. In whatever way, I mean, in I think this happened more in the written one than in the preached one, but maybe being courageous is just being willing to ask questions. Yeah. It's could... ponder. And maybe that's where we are right now is just that, that, that give God an inch, right? Just, are you willing to even open up just enough to question? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have a question. <laughs> Speaking of questions. Questions. For you, if this sermon was successful, if I did what I needed to do, what, if people started being courageous, Mm -hmm. what would I see? How would I know as a leader that what I was trying to bring, to invite people into 
that they felt invited into it? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, it, part, part of the, the reality of parking lot worship is um, you're not able to pair up into groups with people with whom you disagree and have a conversation, right? It's really, I mean, it's really hard to, if you're, if you're in a building, one of the things you could see is, I mean, you kind of know where some of your people are. You, you could see, you know, is, is this person who I know to be progressive really um, going out of their way to, to go and talk to this person? So I, 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 I'm not quite sure how it happens in, in cars in a parking lot. Um, I, I think I think it might um, I think it might be seen in who who invites whom who shows up who who's on the Facebook page you know my my sister told me about this I mean Chris we got a wide variety of people on there too you know I I don't know do you, do you have an I, that's that's a good question and I don't know that I have an answer to that I think, I think it's one of the questions I should ask every week right like, like how how would I look whatever sermon it is how would I look out and see that it did something um. So I think on one hand, I see it in really big ways, right? I, I see it in the fact that we're worshiping in a parking lot already. I mean, I know that feels easy, but in the middle of a pandemic, on a, oh my gosh, it was cold. Really? Painfully cold. Painfully cold. Um, people still showed up. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we yeah. had... Like I thought I was bad. We had two of our volunteer volunteers, so Anil and David, were outside the entire time. I watched them from my car. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was, you know, and I might tell them next time it's cool to bring their cars over and they can sit in their cars. But I mean, that took courage. Um, joy, and I'll talk about Joy. I actually don't know if it's this week or the week after, but, you know, she is our she is our leader. She is our musical leader, and she is terrified to the point of like her stomach being upset, tears all the time. This mm. is huge. I mean, the courage that she is bringing to show up is it's it, it's overwhelming to think about, right? Um, to see you show up and sing a solo because like yeah. Um, see like we get a text that says hey we think Kent should sing <laughs> okay <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean um those are those are big moments and I think the other thing that I'm more likely to see is and I, and I see this a little bit more and more every week is people saying hi when they're joining us people liking the video, people sharing the videos, um, people connecting, not because it, that benefits us, that benefits me, because right now it really is how we're getting the word out. It probably will always be how we're getting the word out. So th there's a sense that it's like not very courageous, it's marketing. Um, and I do think that that is the way we're connecting right now yeah. that that is people going from sitting in the back of the room sitting at their computers on sunday morning watching or sitting in their cars watching um to people saying hey i'm here um yeah. hi good morning i'm in the parking lot i mean 
literally we've had people in the parking lot for a month or two now that had no idea who they were until they got on Facebook and said, Hey, I'm joining you here in the parking lot. I'm like, Oh, Hey, <laughs> you know, well, that's cool. You have anything else we need to talk about? Yeah, we probably need to introduce ourselves at some point so I can cut it and put it at the beginning. Who are you? No, you go first. You go first. Hi, I'm Kent Ingram, and I'm one of the pastors of First United Methodist Church and have the privilege of getting to work with Tiffany at the Heartstrings Worship Service. And hi, I'm Tiffany. So I think at this point, we will send it back to the band. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.